You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Today we are going to talk about a few news stories about Hollywood and the movie industry, but then we will jump into a uh, in-depth, kind (laughs) of, review discussion of One Night in Miami, a new movie on uh, Amazon Prime, directed by Regina King, of all people. This is her directorial debut. What did you think of it, Richard? Uh, I I just just a broad stroke, what did you think of it? (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, that caught me off guard uh, when we got to the end of it and it was Regina King. I was like, whoa. Um, but I think that's great. And, and I, I liked it. I like That's my broad. I know that's kind of like people, oh, that doesn't sound super convincing. I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I, I did. I liked it. What, what about you? Did you? Yeah, what, no, what's your- I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good, uh, like, a way of putting it as a character study, but it's based on true events. So it's like it's more of a study of these four men like in general. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are, um, uh, uh, liberties taken with, uh, these real life icons, but, uh, I believe the, the, the writer, um, caught a, a good, good idea of who they were. So, uh, we'll get in, we'll get more into that when we get into the movie. First off, Zack Snyder, uh, he directed a movie, is uh, something like Justice League, I believe. Um, have you ever heard of such a movie, Richard? Mm, who? Z- what? Uh, well, it's a little. He's a little known director, Zack Snyder. He uh, he did a movie. He did a couple comic book movies, like one where it's a bunch of dudes, uh, you know, oiled up and muscly and in fighting uh, Persians. <laughs> Extraordinary gentleman, uh, Mark. Not that one, but no. okay. uh, all kidding's aside, was it hundred of three? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, as I believe it is called now, um, mm. will be coming out on HBO Plus or not HBO Plus. It, I mean, it's plus everywhere else for all the other streaming <laughs> right. sites, but it's HBO Max. It's Warner Media's streaming platform. And we have been hearing quite a bit. I mean, this started off with the hashtag of release the Snyder Cut. Uh, we are now months, mere months away from the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And it has been told to us that it was going to be a four-night, one-hour episode miniseries uh, or limited series or event series is the word they use i believe well Zack snyder was on his uh vero i don't know if you remember vero but it was a social media platform or it is a social media platform that i believe only Zack snyder uses uh a (laughs) person uh one of his fans got on there and said uh so this is still a series or a one-shot movie a one-shot of a movie I don't exactly understand what I think what he uses. He's just asking if it's a movie or or like, do we watch it all at once or if we watch it as a series? And Zack mm-hmm. Snyder answered this uh, person um, one shot. 
So people are taking that as it's no longer a Fortnite event series, but a four-hour movie that you're going to watch. I don't know. I, I, I definitely think that he sees it as a one continuous movie, even if HBO Max is going to chop it up into four nights. What do you think? Well, uh, he could have been saying he had one shot to get it right, but that wouldn't be it either because he's now (laughs) technically on his second shot, like one and a half shots of making this movie, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, somewhere Um, around there. You know, I I really don't know. It's it's interesting to me. I I would think that if you were Zack Snyder, um, you know, doing it as like a one self-contained thing is is for him maybe you know maybe more of what he's looking for for hbo though you know if they're gonna release it um you know i guess it depends like are they gonna drop it all at one time are they gonna try to break it up over the course of a couple of nights over the courses of a couple of weeks like you know obviously if they were doing it over the course of a couple of weeks like that would maybe be good for their foot traffic and also let them kind of like stretch that content out uh, a little bit more. But I think for, you know, it's a little difficult in this or different in this situation because you're taking something that was made and released as a, as a feature film. And then you're going back to it again and kind of redoctoring it and redoing it. So it would seem, I think to make the most sense to me to just have it as one self-contained thing versus trying to find or build in these you know break points right. uh you know and the and have these cliffhanger moments at just the right hour mark to really have people wanting to come back the next night uh especially on a movie that people were already kind of like hey we don't really like it um <laughs> i think giving people an opportunity to to just walk away from it is maybe not strategically the best call from that standpoint, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they told Zack Snyder up front, look, uh, you have to build in these cliffhanger moments. Um, this is what we're doing. Good luck. I don't know, but um, what about, I mean, what's your thought on it? I, I think it's better as just a feature at that point, but wh- what would you prefer? I mean, I think that it's going to be difficult for a lot of people to sit for four hours or I guess one hour. Yeah, no, for four hours in one sitting, especially at home where they're going to stop the movie and pause it and probably come back to it the next night anyways. So splitting it up into four one hour episodes, I don't think it's going to be that bad, but you're right. It's how often does a movie work out perfectly that at an hour mark is a good place to cut and and say hey to be continued tomorrow like it's probably not going to work out best that way so we'll see what that means i i i'm okay either way i will be able to sit for the four-hour movie in one night uh i will also come back every night to watch it uh you know uh, as a mini series or event series Am I looking forward to it? No, not really. <laughs> but I will still do it. Um, my biggest question is, uh, since nobody I know is using Vero, and I don't ever hear anybody talking about Vero, except for when they're talking about Zack Snyder things, how 
it, maybe this is just the 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 very small cynical part of my brain because I'm not a very cynical person. How likely is it that Zack Snyder has made a fake account, <laughs> asks asks himself a question, and then he answers it, or gets a buddy to ask him a question and he answers it, knowing that it will get picked up by whatever uh you know internet website place be like hey look Zack Snyder said this on Vero uh, I mean it was me uh I got the email <laughs> yesterday uh and I was like all right Zach I'll I'll do it for you this time buddy but uh after this we're squared and we're we're I'm not you know my favors are called in now now you owe me one no um I don't know. It's hilarious. Obviously, you can tell I'm way more cynical than Mitch. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I think I have a Vero account. Uh, I think I've logged into it once in the last 10, 15 years, whatever. I don't even think it's been around 15 years. It's probably only it been around either. like six. <laughs> um, is it like, I don't even remember. Is it more of like a direct competitor to twitter or is it more like instagram like i don't even remember i think it was supposed to be more like instagram i also had a, an account and and honestly it was not user friendly i didn't feel like the ui was was great like it it was difficult to figure out who i was one friends with and then two following like mm. you had to do both kind of sometimes and it didn't it never really worked out well for me and I couldn't find anybody that was actually talking about anything. So I dropped my Vero account. Uh, it wasn't until after that, that Zack Snyder started releasing all these things that could have happened in his version of the justice league or his justice league cut or Snyder cut. Uh, so I don't know. I just find it interesting that it's always something on Vero where someone asked just the right question for him to be like, yes, this was what was going to happen there. It's like, really? Nobody's asking him these questions on Twitter or or on his official Facebook like kind of Does thing. He no. Own part of Vero? I don't know. That is a good question also. Is is he part owner of Vero? Like it's weird to keep using that um that social media platform. But hey. Someone is getting the clicks, so I guess that's all that matters. I, I like, don't think he's that active on most of the other social medias, which, you know, I kind of don't blame him. Like, you know, obviously social media can be good and bad, so, you know, I, I can't say I fault him for that either. But I feel like I heard somewhere that he had a vested interest in Vero, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's just <laughs> hearsay or uh, crazy conspiracy theories. There you go. Uh, okay. Speaking of hashtags, real quick though. Yes. Because uh, you said hashtag release the Snyder Cut. What about hashtag? Uh, what is it? Hashtag double dust. Double dusted. That's right. If double you, dusted. Yes. Are you, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a fan of my, Rich or myself, you should definitely do hashtag double dusted. Look that up. Find Peppermint Gentleman on, or I'm sorry, Peppermint Gent on Twitter. Find his post. He is started up a campaign to get Doritos to start a double-dusted brand or version of their chips. So basically, you know how you have a nacho cheese Dorito? Well, they dust that. Why don't they dust it again so you get that extra flavor? And uh, he he is pushing for this campaign. You should definitely go 
Find those hashtags and retweet him as much as possible. Get Doritos to recognize that this is a thing that could reunite all of us together. Absolutely. I, I, I tweeted about it earlier and I thought I was, I mean, I'm tooting my own horn here, but I thought they were, my hashtags were pretty funny. They were, they were pretty great. <laughs> Double dusted or bust. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay. Speaking of comic book, material adaptations because that's all that we get now which is fine with me I, i'm okay with it uh over on the other side of the comic book aisle marvel is making uh tv series tv series on disney plus they're making moon knight and ethan hawk has revealed to be the villain of moon knight in the first season uh he will they haven't released what villain he'll be playing but he will he will be the villain of the first season. Now, I find this interesting because if you remember a few years back, Ethan Hawke came out and said, you know, not I don't want to say like disparaging things, but he said somewhat negative things about comic book movies, especially after he he was told that Logan was such a great movie and it, and he needed to watch it and he went and watched it and he said it wasn't anything special. Uh, he said these are not movies, uh, if I remember correctly. He then later like kind of backtracked and he's like, these are great things to go watch. It's entertainment. It's just not movies. So what do you take about? I mean, obviously it's, it's an industry. It's, it's business, right? Like people take, mm-hmm. do things for a paycheck, but how do you feel about his previous words and now being a villain in a Disney plus Marvel TV series? Oh, well, I mean, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that he's playing a villain. I, I feel like he doesn't always get to do that. It, it, traditionally, I think he he plays a little bit more of the the protagonist hero character. To, so to see him play a, a, a villain, I I personally like because I like to see um, <clears throat> when actors get to have kind of like diversified catalogs. And and I like uh, Ethan Hawke as a actor. I like a lot of his movie choices and stuff that he does. Um, you know, to me, I, I would say that uh, yeah, that's probably cheddar talking like uh, i'm sure <laughs> disney you know that disney marvel check comes knocking at the door uh it's gonna be hard to say no to that no matter who you are i mean i imagine at this point disney marvel is probably one of the few people that could uh raise a, a large enough fortune to uh bring daniel day lewis out of retirement <laughs> um no, I, I don't know that he would do it, but uh, I would be totally down to see Daniel Day-Lewis as a, as a Marvel villain uh, <laughs> or a hero. That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I, you know, I, I think that's the... And, and, you know, to be fair, too, I don't know when he made those comments or exactly what his comments were, but, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I have my own internal demons with it, too, because I do love comic books and... I do enjoy comic book movies. Chris Evans is in talks to return as Captain Freaking America. The trailer for Cherry is released and the WandaVision reviews are pouring in. Yeah, I just really want to watch other stuff. But um, this is not where the industry is right now. That's that's totally understandable. And, um, you know, I don't think we're coming away from it anytime soon, Uh, especially, you know, post-COVID, because everyone in the industry has taken a pretty big financial beating over the uh, past... Uh, year now so so yeah so you know he might have made those comments a, a while back and and the other uh, thing that i was going to say about that too is you know if he made those comments yeah, let's just say 10 
15 years ago. I'm just, that's my numbers for today when it comes to years, apparently. <laughs> um, you know, I, I do think that, that comic book movies in general have also progressed into what they can be. Um, I like Logan. I don't think Logan is really the pinnacle of what comic book movies could be. And that's the other thing that's kind of just pretentious about like filmmakers and actors and stuff too, is you have people like uh, James Mangold and uh, uh, whoever, I was, did he do Joker too? That's, am I? James no, Mangold? right? No. Yeah, Todd no, Phillips did, no. did Todd Joker. Phillips, that's right. But both of them were like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to like make a movie that's with comic book characters, but it's not really a comic book movie. And I'm like, no, then it's a fucking comic book movie. That's such a BS cop-out just because you're like, oh, I'm an artiste and I make movies. No, you're making a comic book movie. If it has to do with comic book characters and it takes place in a comic book world, <laughs> it's a comic book movie. I don't care what you do to it. It's still a comic book movie. And it kind of feels like that same thing from from Ethan Hawke here. You know, it's like maybe he had a change of mind because, you know, the films have progressed or whatever. But, like, don't get off your high horse. And, and you know, it's totally okay if you're an artist and you still make a comic book movie. There is nothing wrong with that. No. You can you can do both. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't think people realize that. But you can do both. It's totally okay. I mean, you have, uh, oh, why did her, her name just escape my, my head? She was in, she's, you know, she's a very big actress, uh, very prestigious. And she was in, um, Guardians of the Galaxy as the head of the Nova Corps. Oh man. It's right there. It's right yeah. there. She's, she was in, uh, Things, other movies. <laughs> uh, not Meryl Streep. Who's the other one? <laughs> Helen Mirren. No, nope, not not Helen Mirren either. Uh, uh, we're just throwing darts around the name right now. I know. Let me just look up Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, but she, I mean, I believe that she is. Uh, one of the very prestigious actress actors in the, in the industry. And if, if she can come out and, and be a part of it, then Glenn close. Thank you. Glenn close. There you go. Oh yeah. <laughs> How can, Oh, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I was all okay. over the place in my head with the names that it couldn't be. Anyways, getting back to, and just to clarify what it is that, um, Ethan Hawke said, uh, all those years ago, I think it was 2016, somewhere around there. said, uh, um, now we have a problem that they tell us Logan is a great movie. Well, it's a great superhero movie. It still involves people in tights with metal coming out of their hands. It's not Robert Brenson. It's not in Igmar Bergman, but they talk about it like it is. So exactly. I I don't, I can't fault him for saying that it's, it is, it's a comic book movie and these are comic book things. And, and sure, you know, Joaquin Phoenix winning, an Academy Award for uh, making Joker has definitely been like, hey, I can. It might be a comic book movie, but I can bring something to it, right? Like I can, I can, I can do something that's interesting with the with the material. So I my, just do- oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say that I Ethan Hawke is definitely uh, a man who has made very calculated and interesting choices with the roles that he's taken throughout his career. He could easily just been a, a leading man and, you know, done certain roles that would only have given him uh big box office and, and stuff like that. But he's done 
all types of different roles. So I, I can't I can't fault him on the decisions that he's made. I'm not I'm not faulting him on any of his decisions. Like I, you know, I, I again I I think he is a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. Um and he has been in some incredible movies. I just don't know why you have to make there be a distinction. Like, why do you have to say it with like, I don't know if you've looked around right now, but comic book movies have been dominating the industry for the last decade. So (laughs) I think we're beyond the point of being like, Oh, well it's, you know, it's a comic book movie. It's a movie (laughs) who like, it's, I'm sorry, but there is no need to have a distinction behind it. Like, no, that, like that that's you know what i mean like michael bay has made movies that weren't comic book movies that are still basically comic book movies you know what i'm saying like it, it and he has a very successful career is it the career that ethan hawk wants probably not but he still had a very successful career he's still a, a name he does what he wants to do in the industry like i just it, it just makes no sense to me why you have to go so far out of your way to be like well I'm gonna do it, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw a little jab out there that uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be in a comic book movie, or yeah. that Logan's a good movie, but it has to have this asterisk next to its name that it's a good movie bar being a comic book film, and it's like no, it it can be just a good movie, like. It doesn't need the distinction behind it. I don't think anyway. I think that's so pretentious. I think I think you're you're saying it's just I mean the old adage is there are no small roles, right? Like it's you you're an actor, you sign on, you you do you do the job. You do the job and you do what it is that you've been paid to do, right? I mean, uh, yes, I, I, you know, I would think, I don't know, because maybe that is the problem with a a lot of the comic book movies. Like maybe they do get these big name people and then they just phone it in and they're like, well, it's so below me to put on tights, but I'll be completely naked in this art house film. Oh, what? (laughs) Like, yeah, that's so, oh, wow. So so hypocrisy driven as it as it gets bigger and bigger we have these people that are coming over and and we got mahershala ali playing blade like he wants to do it he's going to put in 110 percent, and we'll see you know it'll probably be a a great movie or tv series whatever it ends up being i'm sure it's gonna be a movie so stoked so freaking stoked for that um well but i mean like it wasn't ethan hawk in the purge he was he was in the first i mean i don't know like that that's just like i don't know it's not like again i don't mean any disrespect and maybe i'm getting way bent out of shape and taking this way to heart and that's not really my intent either but i'm just saying like no matter who you are i think every actor every filmmaker every writer every creative person on the planet I, i i feel like has had some good art and some not good art but i feel like it's such a cop-out to just be like well i'm going to make this movie and just you know but prepare yourself for it to maybe be bad because it's a comic book art you know like i i don't know it's just crazy and like i again like i'm not even like the biggest comic book fan in the world like i I mean i'm like pretty far down on the benchmarks of like comic book geekdom greatness right um but like even with that i feel like comic books just never get the credit for the fact that like they've been tackling or talking about 
really sensitive subject matter for like 80 years now. And like they never get credit for that. I mean, like, I remember like, you know, like when I kind of first met you and you were like telling me about all these comic books and like, you know, they were tackling like drug addiction and like, you know, uh, sexuality and like all this stuff like for 80 years. <laughs> and it's like, w- why is it like a degraded art form to people? It blows my mind. Is because you know it's not it's not literature because it's got pictures and it's not art because it's got words so it's somewhere it's somewhere in between and people you know of the two sides don't accept it now the uh, us in the middle that enjoy it are like no no you see other other people can enjoy it too and I love that you're you know you're sticking up for it as much as you are so I, I thank you on on behalf of all the comic book uh, people. <laughs> well, all of you. <laughs> are welcome but you know i do i do feel that way obviously and and i think you know i I feel like video games kind of end up in that same thing i think i think you're absolutely right so people need to look into video games for you know the way that we tell stories now because it is how you want to talk about people sitting for hours upon hours to to be encapsulated by a story video games is where it's at like before TV shows, TV became yet again, or became the golden era of TV. We had video games doling out uh, multiple hour stories that sit there and just grip their audience and and do it in a way that they know is going to get them to come back. I mean, there is a new <laughs> Assassin's Creed video game just about every year. People wouldn't be coming back and, and paying every year for that game if the story wasn't amazing. No, yeah, that's true. And I mean, like, again, I love Roger Ebert, but he was kind of on that that bandwagon, too, being like, oh, video games aren't art. And I'm like, oh, I disagree. I mean, not every video game is great, but hey, let's face it, neither is every movie, neither is every painting, neither is every, you know, piece of music that's ever written. Anyway. I digress. (laughs) My apologies. Rant uh, partially over, I guess. (laughs) Uh, well, we will. Well, I will definitely be there to watch uh, Moon Knight when it comes out on Disney Plus. I'm sure Richard. Uh, no, will, I'm going to watch it. it yeah, <laughs> I, I want to watch it. I still want to watch WandaVision too. Like, have you I, not watched any of it yet? No, but I. It, I here's the thing. I want to watch it because it looks totally effed up and different, and that's what I'm about. I'm like, okay, cool. Moon Knight. I want to watch. This is why I want. You want to know why I want to watch Moon Knight, Mitch? Why? Because I've heard you talk about wanting Moon Knight <laughs> in some sort of video format for probably the last, I'm going to just say it again, 10 to 15 years. That's yeah, totally 10, not true. 10, 10 to 15 years. <laughs> but I've, I've listened to you be like, I, they, you know, you're just like putting it out in the universe. Someone up there needs to do this. And I'm so effing happy that it's finally happening. <laughs> I, I'm really excited for you and for the show. And I and I hope that it's what you uh, hope that it would be. I hope so, too. So, yeah. But, yes, WandaVision is three episodes out at the, at the moment of recording this. Uh, I hope you get to watch those three episodes. Or if you want to wait till the nine episodes have all been released and just watch it all in one sitting. I don't think it will be that long because they're 30-minute thir- episodes. It could it could play out better for you. Like it is, I think it is a very interesting story in the way that they are doing something different in the MCU with this uh, particular character or set of characters. I mean, if I have to sit down and watch four hours of Snyder Justice League, I think I could sit down and watch a handful of hours of Wandavision. I like it. There you go. Uh, 
back over to Warner Brothers and Warner Media. Warner Brothers is planning to release Wonka March 17th, 2023. Now, we don't have an actor attached to it yet, but we do have a director, um, Paul King, who made the Paddington movie, uh, and Simon Farnaby uh, is, is the co-writer of the script. So, Wonka is going to be a prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, depending on which one you want to go with. Um, it's It will be the younger days of uh, Willy Wonka before he he started his confection empire, so to speak. Uh, I think the idea is you kind of get a little glimpse of that in the uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory made by Tim Burton, where you see him as somewhat younger Johnny Depp, like roaming around in the jungle looking for chocolate and finding the Oompa Loompas and stuff like that. But I, I don't know exactly what this series or movie is going to be about, this prequel movie. I, I definitely feel like Warner Brothers is like, hey, we got this uh, streaming platform and we have access to this IP. We're just going to start making stuff about it. Like, <laughs> So this is a, whether it goes to the movie theater or not, it will definitely be on HBO Max, assuming that HBO Max is still around in 2023. I don't see why it wouldn't be. <laughs> um, but... How do you feel about that? And do you have a suggestion for casting of a young Wonka? Oh, uh, um, well, first off, I I hope I hope after that statement that you're right because it's going to be really weird if HBO Max is not around by 2023. Um, that's going to be so uncomfortable. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's going to be really hard to get an actor involved in this because, I mean, we're making a movie, but it's a candy movie. So, like, you know, I don't know if people are going to sign up to to be in it. You know, candy <laughs> movies haven't really proven themselves in the industry. No. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people have a fond memory of the original uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder. No, for sure. Like, I... I, I you know, distinctly remember that from my childhood. I vaguely remember the uh, Tim, Tim Burton, Burton. Uh, which, you know, not to, it's just weird. Um, wasn't necessarily my thing, but I, I don't know. I do like the, the uh, Gene Wilder one, like you said. And, and like, is this, I mean, yeah, so many questions. Like, is this canically fitting into, like, are they going to have, flash forwards to old man Wonka like I I don't know like are they gonna get someone that looks like Gene Wilder like is it linked to that one are they trying to link it more to the Tim Burton one like what aesthetic are we going with because like aesthetically those are on opposite ends of the uh the spectrum spectrum there for sure you're right um yeah, I'm, mm. I'm sure who uh, uh, what was it? Simon Simon Farnaby will do a good mixture of doing one the book, two uh, the Gene Wilder movie, and three the Tim Burton movie, uh, just to have the references to all of it, <laughs> and and whether or not they find someone to that that can sing and make it part partially musical. I mean that's kind of what happened with the Willy Wonka one, right? The one with Gene, Gene Wilder. It's, it's somewhat yeah. musical. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I don't know. I, it's, it, I, how will it connect canonically? I, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll, it, it will, it will relate back to the mo- to the book more than it will to the movie. 
So well, and like, how do you? You may not know, uh, but like, how young? How young are we talking? Like, how far back in the in the wonky years are we going? <laughs> I, I mean, if you remember from the Gene Wilder movie, he's. I mean, he's not a super old dude, but he's old enough to for people to believe that he is, you know, uh, having a hard time walking at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. He pulls the <laughs> trick of of falling over on his cane. So maybe early twenties. Hmm. Early twenties. Okay. Because I was like, if we're not going, I don't think it's whatever happened. But I was like, if we're not going too, 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 too far back, I was like, Ryan Gosling would be a wild Willy Wonka. Um, hmm, in their twenties, though, in their twenties. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I don't. I mean, I think I, it, I'm just trying to think of someone in that bracket. You know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I know too many in that bracket anymore. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of different stuff. If you could do early 30s, mid 20s, what did you think of Daniel Radcliffe? Uh, uh, yeah, I I mean, he's definitely done some interesting roles, so <laughs> I, I don't think you would necessarily have a problem doing it. And and yeah, I would totally be down to, uh, yeah, I don't think that's a bad choice at all, really. I've hmm. also heard, um, uh, oh, uh, Donald Glover. Okay. I I could see that too. I, I especially if they go kind of more the musical route. Mhm. Like that would be sweet. Pardon the candy pun there, but that would be <laughs> really awesome. And he's he's 37 whereas Daniel Radcliffe is, Daniel Radcliffe is is 31. So I, I don't know. Where where do you where do you put the age of a fictional character that you have no idea about when <laughs> where his timeline right. begins? So who's the uh, what's the kid's name that was? Uh, oh man, it'd be a little strange because he's like I think naturally a redhead, but uh, you know they're actors; they can change and dye their hair and whatnots. But um, he was in Shameless. Uh, oh man, oh, he, he was on Gotham. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't think what his name is. Now I just you know totally blanking on it. Just be uh, Dominic Monaghan. No, not it's something Monaghan. Uh, not Dominic because Dominic's the one that's in Lord of the Rings. Uh, he was also in Cameron. The, the, Cameron like, Monaghan. Okay, yeah. I like. I don't know why, but like for some reason he kind of just popped into my head, which is weird because like I guess I'm going sort of based on his like representation of like the Joker in Gotham, kind of. Okay. Like, okay. Just because Willy Wonka is also kooky weirdo in in a lot of <laughs> the representations, so like I don't know why, but like I feel like that might also be a really interesting choice. Well, he's 27, so he is also around that age. So we'll see. Hmm. It, it's something that could definitely happen. All I'm right. have to watch and see how this uh, unfolds. <laughs> I'm sure that they're going to want to start filming by the end of the year if they want to hit March 2023. So by the end of this year. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll be hearing um, casting news soon, sooner than later. Hmm. Yep. All right. Well, all right. So that's what we have for news, movie news this week. Let's get into the movie. One Night in Miami. We will definitely be spoiling this movie if uh, you haven't watched it yet. So uh, please, if you haven't, go watch it. Come back. Listen to the rest of what we have to say. 
So of these four men, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown, are you uh, familiar with all their careers? No. Um, I'm going to let my complete ignorance shine here, uh, unfortunately. Obviously, Muhammad Ali, I know. Um, because I, I also like boxing, uh, quite a bit. And so I, I do know him and I thought, um, I thought his kind of at least vocal representation in this, uh, I mean, visually, I think pretty good too, but, uh, yeah, this, this person's representation of Muhammad Ali was, I thought really good. Um, and of course I know Malcolm X as well. Um, Arguably, though, I don't know as much about Malcolm X as I probably should. Uh, the other two gentlemen, I really don't like. It's what Jim Brown and Sam Cook, right? Correct. Um, I don't think I really know anything about them at all, other than obviously what's depicted in the movie, which was that. Uh, um, What's his name? Aldous Hodge, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, he's the one that played Jim Brown. Uh, he was a, someone who played football and then transitioned at some point into acting. Which that's I, I don't know if that's completely true or not, but that's what the representation in the movie is. So, yeah. uh, and then yeah. obviously also from the movie, Leslie Odom Jr., who is Sam Cooke, um, is a singer. Right, like Correct. he's a yes. musician. He so, yep, I know that. Oh, he was in Hamilton. Is that what you said? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, interesting. <laughs> no, no. But you're ta- are you talking Leslie Odom Jr.? You're talking Sam. You're not talking Sam Cook, right? No, Sam no. Cook's gotta be. <laughs> I'm talking about Sam Leslie Cook's still Odom alive? No. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Unfortunately, well, he died at the age of 34, not too long after the 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 events of this movie. Wow. So him and Malcolm X uh, both in because Malcolm X died. Um, just a little shy of a year from, from the night this movie takes place. Correct. Interesting. So, uh, just to, I, I also did not know anything about Sam and cook. I am sorry. Like I, I, I'm not, um, shy about telling, expressing how much I do not know about music. Music is just not a, uh, subject that I, I've really dove into. So I don't, I don't know a lot about it looking into Sam Cooke after watching this movie, he made a lot of the songs that you, you love from that, from that era. So it, you, it's definitely someone you should look up. Um, hmm. Jim Brown though, you have seen a lot of the movies that he was in. You might not have watched, uh, the, him as a football player, but you've seen running man where he plays fireball. He, you've seen oh, yep. any given Sunday, which is, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Oliver Stone's football movie. Um, he plays one of the, I believe, I believe the defensive coordinator and, or tackle coordinator or something like that. But I know that you've seen, uh, seen him in, oh, is he, is he, he is in that, right? He's in, is that not him? Oh, I'm, t- I'm, I'm not going to say it now cause I don't want to look stupid. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, he was in uh, Mars Attacks, which <laughs> I know you've seen. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Who am I thinking of then? What movie were you, I what thought movie it was, were you thinking? I thought he was in From Dust Till Dawn. Um, 
Hmm. Who was the guy that I was thinking of? And I'm, I'm I guess, being completely racist. I'm thinking of Fred Williamson. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. But yes, uh, Jim Brown, you have seen movies with him in it. And obviously he was a huge football player uh, in his day. And, you know, you get to the end of the movie where he's the, what was it? The the Steelers, I think that he was a part of, or whoever, whatever team it was that he was a part of saying, you know, if he doesn't come back for camp, then he will no longer be needed on the team. And he's like, well, I'm making a movie, so <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm retiring yeah, from football. Yeah, they were going to fine him or something. They were like, he had to, he would basically, if he showed up to camp, he would have to pay his way back into camp or something like that. And so he was just like, I'm done with the NFL and make movies. <laughs> uh, not comic now, book movies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not comic book movies. Now this, like we said earlier, this was directed by Regina King. Uh, everybody knows Regina King. Uh, most recently, you might remember her from the Watchmen TV series on yep. HBO, where she played Sister Knight. And uh, what a huge role for her! And to to make this her directorial debut, uh, awesome. Uh, this the the screenplay for this was written by uh, the man who wrote the stage play of this, Kemp Powers. He uh, also is credited as the co director of Soul. Which just came uh, a Pixar Soul, which just came out on uh, Disney Plus uh, over the holiday season. So, uh, IMDb has it written as "One Night in Miami" is a fictional account of one incredible night where icons Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown gathered, discussing their roles in civil rights movements, uh, the civil rights movement, and cultural upheaval, upheaval in the '60s. I just want to say that. Had I been Muhammad Ali and uh, won the heavyweight championship of the world that night, I too would not want to just sit in a hotel room with uh, three of my buddies talking the night away. I just feel like going out and partying would probably be the best thing to do. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I... I, I have to say, I really didn't know too much about this movie going into it. Well, actually, before I get into that, let me backtrack just even a quicker moment than that. So, uh, <clears throat> Regina King, first and foremost, congratulations on this movie. And um, from what I was reading, she's also now the first uh, black female director to have a film that was selected by the Venice Film Festival. Uh, so I feel like that's also really huge. Um, and, you know, going back to Watchmen for a second, she can say what in the most compelling way. <laughs> like, that, that is like gotta be what she had. There's so many times in Watchmen where she just had, like responds with what. And it's just the most universal, like, thing. And every time I was enamored by it, because I'm like, that's so hard to just say one fucking word powerfully in every situation and she nails it. Um, and, and I really think, you know, uh, again, I didn't know that much about this movie going into it and that's where I was kind of going to go with it. And like you said, a, a good deal of this movie, um, does take place in kind of just one location, uh, inside the hotel room. It, at least it felt like the bulk majority of, I mean, obviously they have some flashbacks and some kind of jumps around and things like that. Um, but I really felt like a large portion of this movie took place in that hotel room. Um, and that in and of itself is also 
really challenging to make something that's gripping and emotional and really continually uh, draw a, a viewer into it. And I think that Regina King made some incredible directorial choices with this. I think she got some really wonderful performances out of the entire cast. Um, and I really also applaud her and, um, you know, maybe the editor too. I don't, I don't know how much uh, she was involved in the, the editing or, or who edited or anything like that. But I also feel like this is a movie that, uh, again, especially kind of looking at, at films that are, are, more popular or more mainstream right now where everything's very fast paced um, moments don't get a lot of time to breathe. And I feel like she did such a wonderful job of really just at these key moments, just letting them sit in silence where there wasn't even bully. There wasn't a soundtrack and she she made that directorial choice to just let those moments sit there and linger and breathe. And I'm so glad she did, because I don't think this movie would have felt the same way had that choice been different. I definitely feel like uh, you can feel the the play in this. Like like mm-hmm. you were saying, it's it's set in the one room. Like and that makes sense to me as someone who's done plays. You know, it it's much easier just to have the one set. <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. And, and and the way that they separate the the gentleman in in different scenes, where you know they they pair him up two and two. Uh, for different conversations and different uh, uh, motivations of of what it is that's keeping them going throughout the this this time of of civil rights movement and and it it definitely ever each one of them has a say has a version of what's going on and what it is that they are doing to so uh, to say make it better for their people so to speak so mm-hmm. i get it i and and i definitely think that the, she does do an incredible job uh, is there any one particular person of the four that you think this movie is a, is is about? Like, is the main character, or do you think it's 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 solely spread between the four of them? I mean, I, I think it's um, to me. I, I feel like I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like a lot of the weight of the film was between um, Malcolm X and uh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, and then I would say probably after that would be uh, Jim Brown and then Sam Cooke, maybe. Um, but still, I, I, I think all of the the components that are there are, are I think they're still weighted in a way that it, it, it never feels like there's a screen disparity of like who's doing what or, or whose story is there, which again is a is a tricky thing to do in a movie that's you know not four hours long um <laughs> or being broken apart into four tinier movies no uh <laughs> i just feel like that is a really challenging thing to do whenever you have kind of a a, a larger cast um but it does feel like it's balanced in a way that it that i think is is very well done you know yeah, no, I mean, I, what about what? Did you have that same experience, or was it a little bit different for you? Or at first, I, you know, at first, I really felt like this was a a story about Malcolm X. Like I was the I I felt like this was it 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 focused more on him and his character and how it is that 
uh, how he needs one Muhammad Ali to come with him to create this secondary uh, nation of Islam or uh, another group, a Muslim group. And then him having the conflict with uh, Sam Cooke on, you know, how it is that he should be helping their people to uh, get equal rights. But in the end, I really do feel like it is a story about all four of them. Sure, Jim Brown doesn't chime in as much as maybe the others. He's very much more sit back and, and express his emotions about it. But... I mean, even even though <laughs> Muhammad Ali just wins the the World Heavyweight Championship in boxing, like the and I don't know if this is just because it's all this Hodges or not, but like he still stands like a good maybe six inches above uh, the Muhammad Ali uh, actor. So like I feel like no one really wants to pick a fight with Jim Brown uh, just in case like he, he decides to get angry, so to speak. Um, especially like the, the bodyguard played by, Oh, Lance, Lance Reddick, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali's bodyguard at the, at the time when he, he not Muhammad Ali, I'm sorry. Um, Malcolm X's bodyguard Malcolm X. when they're fighting up on the roof and he comes rushing in and all his Hodges or not, I'm sorry. So I'm so sorry. Jim Brown is like, I will not hesitate to, to lay you out in so many words. Uh, but he does back off after that. Cause the, he's a huge guy. Yeah. Well, I think there's even like a specific line in the movie where, um, Muhammad Ali is like, yeah, he's the strongest man in the world or something like that. Like he, he did reference like his, you know, physical prowess basically. So, yeah. um, which, you know, from the, the greatest, I'm a bad man. You know what I mean? Like from him to say that about you, it's gotta be, you know, no, I love that, that moment though, where he's like, Oh no. Like he's looking in the mirror and they're all like, Oh my gosh, what is it? What's wrong? He's like, I'm so pretty. I was like, dang, that's so Muhammad Ali. Or at least like the, that's like the, you know, interpretation of him that you, that you have, you know? So it's like, like, that's such a good little moment. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And so, by the time you get to the end of the movie where, you know, Sam Cooke is on some version of the tonight show or whatever it is that he was supposed to be on. And he's singing that song. It, you know, it means more to him and, and you get the, the cap of, uh, Cassius Clay becoming Muhammad Ali and, uh, uh, Jim, Jim Brown taking his movie career over his football career. And unfortunately, Malcolm X getting his home firebombed. Like, it is all their movie. It is all their story and how it is that they are one affected by their surroundings and also how they affect their surroundings. So it is a slow paced movie and it, but I do think it is very much a character study. It is very much a look at how these four men who have the weight of the world on their shoulders because people look up to them in their respective uh, uh, communities and, and because of their respected um, statuses and, and, uh, you know, abilities. And even, even in the very beginning when the Jim Brown character is going to meet uh, uh, Bo Bridges plays uh, Mr. Carlton, you know, Mm. and they have this conversation where he's Mr. Carlton is, is, giving him all this respect of you're doing a great job. You're so amazing. Our families have been intertwined for so long. 
and even in the conversation and the way that Aldous Hodges is looking at Bo Bridges and that you know the other shoe is about to drop. Something is about to be said. Something is about, about to be done that is going to show that th- this is not the peachy keen situation that uh, Mr. Carlton world words are depicting here. And as soon as he says, we don't allow people of color, and I'm using the very nice words, uh, in the house, it is... You're just like okay. That's where we're at. This is this is what this story is about, and it's it. I didn't live in that time, so I don't I didn't I don't know how to not be affected by that. No, I agree. I mean, I felt like you know the movie starts and we're going along, and I'm like okay, like this is nice, and then all of a sudden, yeah, that moment just hits you in the face like, and I I think it's it's not only it's not only that, but it's like, that's a, like a word that I've just don't hear used often. And so I'm not like calloused to it. So when I do hear it, it's just like such a gravitas to the N word that I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like, and that's not to say that's that really the, where we just went right now. And and it, you're right, especially after that conversation, because you're like listening to, you know, his character and you're like, oh, this guy's got a lot of respect for him. But you're right. It's it's the calm on the surface of the water. And you can tell that, you know, through uh, Jim Brown's face. But I was just like, holy crap. Yeah. And, it, and it's in what you said there. It's not to say that that word is not used by people nowadays. It's oh, no. it most definitely is. It's just, we are lucky enough to not be in situations where we hear it often or people use it against us. So, uh, yes, we very much true. understand that there are terrible people out there that still would use that in, in ways to hurt other people. Um, it's just what you said though is, is just correct. Like, yeah, I mean, no matter what it is that Jim Brown, he is known as, the person that is holding up the NFL at that moment, he is being praised as you know for getting all these yards, rushing for the the most yards ever, and yet he is still not good enough to step foot in this white man's house, and that's to help him to help him. Like, yes, he, like he wasn't even trying to go in, like to do, like he was literally like, "Hey, I can help you move that furniture," and I was like, "Oh, what a nice! That's so nice of him!" And then boom, and I'm like, "Oh, what the f- what?" <laughs> I mean, we yeah. get, we get we get the same thing with uh, Sam Cook when he goes to the Copacabana. Yeah. Like, he, they don't respect him as the person who has a number one hit in the country at the moment. The guy even says, "Well, that's not he doesn't have the number one hit here." It's like you are still a part of the country, so yes, yeah, yeah. yes, he does <laughs> exactly. But people, are, you know, you get the little snippet of the the woman be like, "Oh, I liked it better when." Betty Davis or I don't know whoever it was Davis I don't remember who she said did it like obviously you were terrible <laughs> mm-hmm. um, absolutely so anything on the technical aspect of, of this uh, filming wise that you uh, really stuck out to you or didn't stick out to you well you know um, I mean I think from a cinematography standpoint it, it's really beautiful um which again it very well could have not been because i mean it, i think it's challenging because again you're working kind of with just one location um there's a couple of shots though that, that i really liked with the lighting and and towards the end when um malcolm x was kind of looking at the the two 
uh, guys who perceptively go and firebomb his house. Like j- he's standing there, kind of looking out, and there's a neon sign that's like lighting him. And I, I like, I really liked that that shot and that lighting. There was another shot of him in the uh, hotel room when he was, you know, him and um, Muhammad Ali were about to uh, walk out and address the press. It's just nice uh, separation of light. They have like kind of a practical light in the background that's uh, washing up the uh, wood paneling wall. And uh, I, I, I really like that. I thought that was just a really nice shot. Um, I mean, overall, like, I think this is a movie that you know, you don't want to get too over the top or stylized with your cinematic language because you really, like you said, you want the the focus to be on these, these four men. Um, and I felt like, you know, Malcolm, El- uh, Malcolm X's character, like going through with the camera was like a really good kind of like metaphor for us as an audience, because we're getting this snapshot of essentially one night in the life of these these four iconic uh, people, you know. Um, Speaking of so, uh, yeah. the cinematographer, oh, yeah, sorry, the the cinematographer yeah, yeah. is uh, Tammy Riker, I believe is how you say her last name. R e i k e r. She has done quite a bit of movies, but one of the movies that we recently talked about, The Old Guard, she was also the director of photography. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. See, I feel like, and again, that's what I'm talking about. I feel like when you do a movie like The Old Guard, you can go a little bit crazy and maybe try some things that you normally wouldn't do. But I feel like with this, you really just, you know, you want to obviously, you know, frame things in a in a, an appropriate way. But I feel like with this, there's just not, you know, you don't want to present a, a situation where the cinematography can overshine everything else that's happening, you know? And I, and I felt like they, they did a really good job of balancing it to where it didn't do that, but it still looked like it was shot very beautifully. Um, and again, there was a lot of lighting choices and things like that, that were in there that I, I really just, I liked a lot and I, I thought they did a good job with. And, you know, it, I think you kind of mentioned it too, where there's also these moments that, they're kind of trying to capture it where it's, it's a movie, but it also has kind of that theatrical play vibe to it as well. And so I, I, I genuinely feel like they did a, a nice job with that also. Okay. Anything, anything else you'd like to get, get uh talk about this movie before I, we end it. I, I, you know, it's, if, if you have Amazon uh, prime or prime video, whatever it's called now, prime video max plus, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever name they've got these days, I, I'd say, you know, sit down and actually give your, give yourself the time to really watch the movie. Uh, again, it, there's so many other films that are coming out now. And, and like we said a little bit earlier, and this is, again, I'm not crapping on comic book movies but you know that's kind of the dominant force of film right now and so again i think when you get a a movie um that's a really powerful story about really iconic people that were trying to make the world a better place and then it's just executed so well on a on on all the technical levels um as far as i'm concerned it's just very refreshing. Like, it's just nice to watch and see that, you know, and to see that 
we can still have these movies like, you know, like this, like it doesn't have to just be saturated with star Wars or comic book movies, which again, I'm, I'm not dogging on that. I totally understand why it is that way. And, and those films are extremely successful. Um, but to me, this, this is a very just nice, refreshing, um, cinematic experience to watch. And I, I would say, give it a chance, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would say this is this is the thing. When people sit there and complain that Hollywood doesn't come up with anything original anymore because all they do is make sequels and adaptations of stuff. Yes, this is an adaptation of a play, but it is an original play. Like you, these are the things that you have to watch if you don't want to just see sequels of everything. Instead, you go and watch the sequel of something, and that's what they're going to make because that's what people watch. Like this, these are the movies that you need to seek out and watch if you don't want quote unquote the same old thing. Uh, I watch everything, so it doesn't matter to me. I'll uh, whatever it is, I'm gonna watch it. But uh, all right, if you have an opinion on this movie or any of the stories we talked about earlier, find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia G E M G E M stands for Geek Elite Media. Richard, where can people find you online? Um, yeah, I mean, you can. I'm gonna just make it easy now. You can just go to brycohen.com, R I C O W N, and it has all of my social links on there now. So you can just go to one place instead of hearing me try to name a bunch of different places. There you go. Make sure you check out his website. It will connect you to all of his social media. Uh, if you want to talk to anybody else at Geek Elite Media, it's at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekleetmedia.com. Uh, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Media. You get bonus material exclusive material that you can only get if you are one of our patrons also whatever podcatcher you're using to listen to this please rate and review us it helps spread the word of our network also remember to use the hashtag double dusted and hope out steven so that he can get those dorito dreams of his uh a reality but until next time this is the mitch and rich show on the geek elite media network saying always remember to Geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast.